0: Welcome to the latest podcast from the Recruitment and Employment Confederation. We're bringing you the latest updates and insights from the world of recruitment to help you navigate these challenging times. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of the REC podcast, Talking Recruitment. Uh, With me uh, this afternoon on the pod is uh, my colleague, the REC's Campaigns Director, Tom Hartley. Hello, Tom. Good to have you on the pod again.
1: Good afternoon, Neil.
0: And today we're going to be talking through just the beginnings of thinking about how the economy begins to open up. We had a really good recent podcast with Ray Newton-Smith of the CBI talking about that Nike swoosh recovery that she's expecting, kind of robust, more robust than the recovery from 0809, but one that takes several quarters to fully recover from uh, what we've seen so far in this current coronavirus crisis. From day to day what we're doing at the REC is making sure that we're representing you on all fronts and Tom's joined us today to talk about how do we open up but first let's have a quick update on some of the work that we're, we're doing for you talking to government and and making sure that recruiter's voice is heard, both there and in the media. Just this week, we are seeing the launch of the bounce-back loans for smaller businesses, which are 100% guaranteed for, by, the, by the government. And we're also seeing further action on things like clarity around the furlough scheme. Tom, what are the highlights may, recruiters might want to be aware of just now in what the government's doing and the work that we're doing?
1: Well, there is certainly an urgency around a number of, of those topics, and that's still our, our priorities to try and get as much clarity as we can from government, a furlough scheme uh, broadly welcomed by us and other business bodies, but some specific challenges for our sector and the number one challenge has been that question of whether furloughed temporary staff actually accrue holiday uh, holiday pay and and that and that's a challenge for for us. Uh, we have worked closely with government actually to try and get a, 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 as clear a steer as we can on this. And and the reality is it it does matter. And and I think one of the things we have taken forward with government most recently with 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 ministers as well as with uh, civil servants, is trying to help them to understand why it's not as easy perhaps as some people think to furlough uh, temporary staff and getting clarity on whether workers do accrue. Is part of that. I think the other thing that we're really keen to to help members with is 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 to to help in some of the conversations that we know some of our members are having to have with with temporary staff who are sort of uh, assuming that they can automatically be furloughed and and a lot of our members are looking to do that. In fact, the the, the webinar we did last week showed that the majority of, of our members have furloughed at least some of their temporary staff, which is great to see. But I guess one of the big priorities for us at the current time is one, to get clarity from government and two, to make sure that people understand the context within which we're operating and understand it's not as easy as people think to furlough the temporary works on your books.
0: Yeah, I think that uh, shone through just uh, last week, we had an excellent uh, call with one of the base ministers and a group of REC members, where uh, one of the recruiters who was present made made exactly the right observation, which is for your direct employees, the furlough scheme is a pillow, it softens the blow of retaining people on your books while, while demand is low. Whereas for agencies with temps, it furloughing comes at a cost, it's not free to do. Mm. And so making sure that that cost is as low as possible to maximise the number of people who can be furloughed is a, clearly a massive priority for the REC. And we've got a lot of pressure on government looking for additional guidance. And uh, perhaps by the time uh, people are listening to the podcast, the guidance will have come out. But we are absolutely committed to making sure that there's a, a lot more clarity at, about the decision to furlough temps, what, what accrues, what the costs are and how, uh, and making sure that people understand the challenges that the sector faces at this time. Tom, say a little bit about the uh, bounce back loans that open up today, if you will.
1: Yeah, so that's hot off the press this week is bounce back loans aimed at micro and small businesses. So again, our, our, our aim here is to sort of capture the feedback from members. If you are applying for one of these loans, how is it going in practice? Uh, when some of the previous loan schemes kicked in, there were some some issues um and part of our response there was to work with government but also with the financial services sector so we're in listening mode on this one and we hope this will provide additional support to members when we polled it uh certainly one of our webinars the one based in scotland the majority of members weren't using loans at the moment but some were uh so it's not you un- it's not across the board that, that, that our members are uh, you know are needing loans but but some definitely are so for us it's about understanding the practicalities raising awareness of what's out there and listening to members where there are practical challenges that come about in the implementation side of things.
0: I think that's right and the important thing is that access to this money should be quick and easy and if any smaller REC members are looking for the bounce back loan system to work for them we're really interested in taking feedback. We know for those businesses that have for instance furloughed consultants they're definitely seeing that money flowing back quickly to them now so that's good HMRC have clearly delivered on the furlough portal albeit there are one or two bits of work to do about being able to amend retrospective claims just to get them Right. The other advantage of the bounce back loans, of course, is they're available to the smallest businesses, often those with um, whose staffing is uh, maybe one or two people, often limited company directors, who we know are a gap in the government's current support package where those directors typically don't take a salary month to month because the company's income is unpredictable and take earnings out as a dividend when the company can afford it. So hopefully the bounce-back loan softens that little. but I want to emphasise that the REC is still making sure that it's representing the interests of limited company directors directly to government when and when we get the chance to. Probably one other thing to pick up today, Tom, and it's a specific around health and particularly education, and this is the Cabinet Office scheme to support income for temps where public sector contracts have ended. The most obvious example is around supply teachers. We appear to have had a lot of feedback from members that public sector employers aren't quite picking up on this. What's the REC going to do about that?
1: Yes, yeah, so, so you spot on there. It's, uh, I was just speaking to our colleague, Neil Suchak, who manages our, our healthcare group. It's the number one question that's been raised by members in healthcare. So the cabinet office scheme runs in parallel to the job uh, retention scheme but there's some reasons for our members it would be better to use the cabinet office scheme than uh, the job retention scheme one is it's quicker Uh, second it means that the agency margin is paid uh, quicker as well so there's some real benefits for for our members as well as for the workers the challenge we have is it's not mandatory so whilst in government departments it's it's a prerequisite to use this scheme for schools, for NHS Trust, it isn't a prerequisite. So what we are trying to do is to put as much pressure as we can working with our sort of network of stakeholders across the public sector and some positive news. So Crown Commercial Service have taken this issue on board. They recognise the need to go out there and be proactive in promoting the use of the cabinet office scheme to NHS Trust and to schools. They are writing out, they are putting as much pressure on as we can and, and we'll continue to monitor how that goes. And we are aware that it's the number one question An issue we're getting raised in the healthcare sector and it's right up there in terms of the top issues in education as well. So that's two of our biggest sector groups at the REC and we're doing what we can to encourage more employers in those sectors to use the Cabinet Office scheme.
0: So really good update on what we're doing on the campaign side. I, the, the goal of today's pod is really to talk about You know, seven weeks into the lockdown, how do we move on from this? How do we begin to open up? Um, What are you seeing from members across the REC in terms of how they're thinking about this issue?
1: It's starting to move into this next phase. So, whilst there's a lot of urgent uh, topics that we just discussed that we 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 need to to bottom out as much as we can, our members are starting to look ahead and looking ahead, uh, both internally within their own business, but also starting to engage more with clients and looking ahead about what back to work agenda means and Neil I think some of the conversations you've had with, with ministers and with members this week I think the, clar- the, the, the one thing that is clear is it's going to be a gradual uh, return to work it's not going to be imminent but some of the guidance that we've had sight of I think does point in the way to how that process might be managed.
0: Yeah, I think that's right, Tom. So one of the underlying processes of the last couple of weeks for us has been talking to government about workplace guidance in terms of how you open up as this goes forward. And clearly, government guidance will shift as we move through the later stages of the pandemic. So the first drafts that I had the chance to review on, uh, on the 3rd of May and some of which leaked into the media shortly after After that, uh, not guilty my not guilty lot, they show a, quite a tight definition of how a workplace might operate and you'd expect that to change as the, as we move through the, the latter stag- stages of the pandemic. I think the most important thing for people to appreciate is that this will be a slow process and that's mm. very clear from looking at the government guidance. You know, by by definition government will want to stay, keep people working from home if that is possible within the realms of the the business that, that they're that they're running equally i think it puts a whole new pressure on businesses around how they understand and assess risk in their workplaces and not just in kind of classical ways you know um if i jump back six months i'd I talk about industrial risk, which is often injury risk with heavy machinery and so forth. Uh, if you come to a place like the REC, you know, it's, it's things like stress in an office environment is typically a, 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 a right up the top of your risk register. No company is used to uh, risk assessing a virus. And um, one of the bits of feedback that I offered to BASE over the weekend was go businesses will need more help to understand what they need to do and I think these documents do quite a lot in that regard and we expect to see them sometime around the 10th of May But what they can't do is just prescribe what employers have to do. And that was a really strong message from the REC and a number of other people who had the chance to review them uh, recently. If you think about that, support for how you assess risks on viruses. If you think about things like PPE, it might be very difficult as we open up for all companies to access the PPE supplies they need to comply with their risk assessment. You know, things like masks, particularly for things like commuting. I think There needs to be quite a lot of thought going into how the supply of that is managed for companies as we open up there's a whole uh, slew of things around how people get to work there was very little in the guidance about public transit and commuting i think that's probably for many businesses going to be the biggest single risk of bringing people back to work and of course there's a whole other question about how we normalize our trading relationships one of the things that struck me very Clearly, from the discussions we've had with uh, chief execs across the REC membership is how credit insurance is going to be a critical break on uh, temp activity. If you think about the way the industry works, uh, there is often a delay in payment. Uh, which is credit insured by uh, by agencies if that if that market dries up either because insurers are protecting themselves or because clients are at greater risk than they used to be, then that will hold up the supply of tents into the into the labor market damage employment prospects, damage uh, economic growth, and of course, damage the prospect of agencies. There's a whole slew of things that we need government to do to open up, and they weren't really covered in, in,
1: in the guidance, and uh, that was a critical point that I made. Yeah, and I think it's great that we've got a heads up on some of that, 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 that this guidance. So for those of you listening, that's a uh, a, a real sort of uh, a precursor to, 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 to some of the areas that we'll be covering in more Uh, detail over coming days and months. Some of the questions that we're getting from members increasing are very sector-specific. Good to get your views, Neil, on how this sort of opening up phase might play out differently across some of the different sectors that we represent. So this
0: is a, a fascinating question. And actually, if you talk to the manufacturing sector, one of the big worries about government guidance for opening up is that it doesn't undercut what they've learned by doing, staying open over the last couple of months, particularly in food, but actually there are other uh, manufacturers that are, that are still open and operating. I think that um, a critical point is making sure that there's a supply chain approach taken. So as you open up different sectors or different sectors feel able to open up, uh, that their customers and uh, suppliers can open up at the same time. Now that came to the fore first, as a discussion about component manufacturers in the UK servicing overseas clients who are opening up a bit ahead of the United Kingdom. But it's also about uh, making sure that, for instance, recruiters in uh, manufacturing can uh, spin up their operations as manufacturing spins up. And those in retail can do the same as retail spins up and so on and so forth. Um, and I think government gets that. There is a particular challenge around consistency across the four nations we know that there's been a an uptick in construction activity in england over the last few weeks and that's been reported by uh, recruiters working in, in in that sector of course that's driven by the fact that many construction sites in england shut without actually being advised to shut they were just taking a safety first approach mm. whereas in scotland for instance construction sites are shut because they've been advised to shut and i think making sure that there's consistency and understanding of the approach and real clarity in government communications as we open up is going to be really important because if you if we are going to talk about different sectors having different concerns as we open up it's really important that people understand what those are yet just yesterday i was reviewing for instance the office guidance and then i moved on to uh the shops and branches guidance those are the two i started with because those are the uh two that most re- relevantly reflect what recruiters do in their own business is and there are differences between what you would do if you had a high street recruitment agency branch and what you would do if you had a, had a team based in an office and just being really clear about why those differences are there I think is a bit of pressure that we've had to put on government.
1: Yeah and and I think that point about the Devolved Nations is an important one we hosted the a webinar of our members in Scotland quite recently, which flagged a number of specific issues, as you say, around construction. We'll be doing the same for Northern Ireland and Wales, so capturing those differences is important. And then coming back to the sectors, making this uh, business critical, we know some of our members are looking at whether they should diversify uh, in, into other sectors on the back of the crisis, etc. So that's something that we're uh, obviously keen to support uh, at the REC uh, going forward. Perhaps one other question, Neil, that's come up in, in light of the next stage. Uh, coming forward is is what does this mean for the supply of temporary staff? So if I'm a temp agency, what are some of the things that perhaps I can provide to clients or what are some of the things I need to be aware of in the provision of temporary staff in this sort of reopening phase?
0: So I think that's a really good question, uh, Tom. And just before I move on to that piece around which sectors are growing, I think is mm. also important is that we definitely see more activity in, for instance, technology sectors now than we do in in some others. And then obviously ones like blue-collar logistics, where uh, there's been increased demand during the, uh, during the coronavirus uh, period. In terms of thoughts for temp agencies going forward, well, actually, I think once things start to move again, Given the uncertainty of the next six to nine months, the search for a vaccine, the possibility of a second peak. I do actually think it will be quite a positive environment for uh, temporary labour as uh, businesses seek to meet demand without necessarily making costs that they may then have to take out again uh so i think a pod, as we discussed on previous pods getting close to clients about their mm. plans and working out how you can help them isn't always the right thing to do as we know um i think there's likely to be more interest from clients in temporary work uh, going forward particularly in those new areas that they're exploring to see if they can pivot into into those sectors and uh, and recover position uh, that way, and then you come to uh, some of the technical questions, which is first and foremost, um, you know, how many different workplaces should an individual temp be in? You might want to consider. Uh, how you make sure, and there's been some discussion on social care about this uh, mm. during the crisis, how do you make sure that you are not exposing your attempts or making sure that uh, and, and actually causing them to be a, a transfer of the virus between different work sites. Uh, a classic example of that, we're looking at the guidance uh, the other day, is if you have someone who's embedded on a client site as a consultant, um, Uh, probably you need to make a decision about whether you want them there or in the office, you might not be able to have them in both places. Uh, You you want to put in place, and we're we're looking at at, with a partner to to deliver uh, some software like this for free for REC members, uh, some form of tracking software that assures yourself that a temp is well before they go into a client workplace, and allows you to take action if they're not well both to replace the temp and to make sure the temp is self-isolated. Uh, there's a stream of thinking about uh, talking to clients on PPE yeah. and what the PPE, what the client's PPE requirements will be and how you meet those. All of that are, are, are going to be critical questions based around the risk assessment you do and the risk assessment that uh, your client will have for their workplace.
1: Yeah and I think that's a great example of really working in partnership with your clients some good examples we're already picking up from members and incidentally one of the things about the REC is showcasing examples of of great practice so examples of agencies working with clients to manage this return to work in particular with regards to to temporary staff coming back into work. we're really keen to capture uh, those examples perhaps one final question as we near the end is looking internally so you know quite a few of our members have furloughed their own staff it's about keeping the energy going keeping the communication going Some are starting to really look at how you use this time to help individuals, you know, training, a bit of development. So any, any advice there to members looking at internal piece with your own staff who are still furloughed at this time?
0: Well, I think the uh, the rules are very similar to your staff who aren't furloughed, which mm. is you know you still have that duty of care, but also you want you, you want to support people, so making sure the communication is there. Clearly, you can't ask staff who are on furlough to do any work for you, but you can ask them to do things like training. Mm. You can uh, begin to plan for bringing them back as the, the market develops, and you clearly got some decisions to make about how you do that. Uh, one of the things that we're working with uh, business organisations from right across the economy on is how does the furlough scheme unwind? You know, right. at the moment, it's uh, it's due to finish on the 30th of June. It may be extended by another month or two. It may be extended by a little longer in hospitality. But it's clear that what we don't need in the summer is a cliff edge that drives uh, thousands of redundancies. We need a, an off-ramp for the furlough scheme. So we're working with government on that. But the most important thing is stay in touch with your people mm. uh, and, and find ways that they can invest in themselves while they can't work for you. Um, and hopefully what we'll find as the uh, cases drop into the, into the late spring is that that off-ramp is put in place by government and we can start to make sure the maximum number of people possible, and you know it won't be everybody, can, uh, can come back into the workplace and not be made redundant. Because I do think that the big challenge in the second half of the year is going to be an unemployment challenge because unemployment's already spiked and clearly the CGRS is uh, holding people in employment at the moment who might otherwise have been made redundant certainly if you look at uh, some of the data we're seeing in our report on jobs uh, comes out on uh, the 7th of may it's clear that the hiring market has gone into the freezer for for a while uh, cgrs is to say is designed to help people get through that mm. but clearly we won't bounce back in one month to where we were on March 1st. Just before we finish though, Tom, there's one other thing that I, mm. I wanted to, to mention about uh, the guidance that we were reading yesterday. And I think it's really important, which is, and you see some of the press comment from the TUC and others about the nature of risk assessments companies are doing and asking for it to be published. There are some really challenging details here that the REC is trying to get its head around and make sure we get right because the principle of how we protect employees' health and safety is a duty of care. Employers eliminate all the risks they can and mitigate the ones that they can't eliminate. If we set too high a bar for what we expect employers to do in reopening workplaces, there is a risk that an employer gets unlucky and then gets held to account by HSE with 2020 hindsight in two or three years' time. And of course, that can be quite a threatening um, position to be, because it goes right up to and including corporate manslaughter. Uh, so one of the things that we've been expending a lot of effort on with other business organizations is we'll get the balance right of what is the risk appetite for us to open workplaces in this environment and what would a good employer be expected to do and I think it's important that government takes action on that because we need to make sure that we're not asking business owners just to gamble Mm
1: -hmm. and hope it all goes okay that doesn't feel right and I think that enforcement piece across the board a lot of our members say look you know these are new changes with the job retention scheme or other things we're trying to do the right thing we just want a bit of a common sense approach when it comes to enforcement on this further down the line. So I think that's, that's a really good note to uh, to start concluding on. So that's really it for me. Any other thoughts, Neil, as we look into this next phase? So we, we have talked about phases, haven't we? And I think it's uh, starting to move to this sort of back to work phase, which we're going to come to in the next few days and weeks.
0: Well, no, Tom, but but as you hinted at earlier, we're really interested in anecdotal feedback between our Mm -hmm. surveys from members on how the market's going. And do stay in touch with your REC team about all this really helpful to to Mm -hmm. us. You know, it's the first thing we talked about uh, on our ministerial call with a group Mm -hmm. of members last week. Um, And we'll keep these uh, podcasts coming with interesting and uh, topical discussions. Next one's due on the 12th of May. And we're go, go, delighted to be able to welcome chief executive of a couple of large staffing companies just to talk through their response to the crisis and what they think is important for the industry right now. So we'll look forward to that. And Tom, thank you for joining me today. Thank you. And join us again on the REC pod. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening. We hope you found this episode helpful. Head to our COVID-19 Hub on www.rec.uk.com forward slash COVID-19 for the latest guidance on managing your business during these unprecedented times.